Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. It is Tuesday, October 13th, and it is game on. Amy Coney Barrett on the hot seat today for her Supreme Court nomination hearing. And can we be honest for a moment, folks? Democrats have nothing, really. They've got nothing. I mean, they don't have the votes to stop her at all, right? And all they want to do is talk about health care, health care, health care. Oh, and abortion, uh, which is also getting them nowhere. So this hearing is basically a warm up for the general election, and we're going to unpack all of that. Also, how about President Trump last night dancing to YMCA in Florida at his first campaign rally? Look, we don't want the president to pull a hamstring. He's coming off of COVID-19. The question is, is he going to be dancing on election night? We're going to get into the details. And some exclusive reporting on evangelicals and the president right here on this show today. The Trump campaign has a new effort aimed at increasing evangelical turnout. We've got the exclusive details right here a little bit later. But first, our newsmaker. And let's not waste any time, shall we? Joining us now, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Joining us from Rome. Hey, Newt, thanks for being here. How's the pasta? It's great to be with you, and Rome is an amazing city. Okay. Um, Let me ask you, let me start out with this. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett, obviously in the news. Uh, What's your take on what you've seen and and what's transpired so far? Well, Cluster and I watched a good bit of the hearings yesterday, and we're really impressed with her opening statement. Um, There's something about her, and I think this is why you've seen the Democrats basically switch topics. Um, You know, mother of seven, graduated first in her class, great professor, uh, appeals court judge. Uh, There's just a lot there that's positive. And I think the Democrats decided that there was no practical way to take her on. They know the Republicans have the votes. They don't see any possibility of peeling anybody away. Uh, and so I think that the, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they're very well disciplined. I don't know how much of this you caught. But every Democrat had a picture of somebody with a precondition. Right. And that was their thematic. Boy, they were, they were out there every single day uh, pounding away. I mean, every single member pounding away at it. Uh, and that's their whole thematic. So they're playing for the vote in the general election. Meanwhile, she's doing a great job. She, she has a very attractive family. Uh, her answer today, when she was asked about uh, the reaction to George Floyd being killed mm-hmm. and pointed out that uh, she had a 15-year-old daughter who's Haitian, uh, who was felt directly threatened by what did this mean for her mm-hmm. and someday her children and her son from Haiti, was actually off on a camping trip with her husband, uh, and that uh, you know, she managed to bring it down to being so personal that uh, no reasonable person could have any doubt about her sympathy, her concern, uh, and her understanding of the challenge of race in America. 
And Newt, there's no way that Democrats, uh, they just can't bring up her faith. I mean, if they try to bring up her faith, I mean, that is a trap for them uh, from an electoral standpoint, from an election standpoint, because those Rust Belt voters uh, are, are going to see that and they're not going to have any of that. They, they, Democrats have to be very careful there. Yeah, I, th I think that uh, when, when uh, Kamala Harris was nominated to be vice president, I did a newsletter at Gingrich 360 pointing out that she is the most anti-Catholic bigot to be nominated by a major party since the 19th century. And uh, there's clear evidence of that. Uh, but I think they've learned from uh, the backlash over the last two years, both at her and at Feinstein. The Senator Feinstein also had uh, challenged a, uh, the whole issue of religion. And so I think that they're just, they're just taking a dive right now. Yeah, Newt, let me ask you about the president. Uh, he was out campaigning in Florida uh, last night. And, and I want to get your sense of what you think is going to happen in November. First of all, do you believe this is going to go to the Supreme Court? And, or, or do you believe that the polls are missing something here? Oh, I look, I, I think in 70% of the futures, Donald Trump's reelected. And in 30% of the futures, uh, Joe Biden's reelected or is elected. Uh, but I think that. Um, the polls are profoundly wrong. Just you now, they were, by the way, they were wrong both in 16 and in 18. Mm -hmm. People forget this, but after after the disaster of 16, they talked about reforming it. Well, in Florida, for example, uh, Quinnipiac came out the day before the election and said both the Republican candidate for the Senate and the Republican candidate for governor they were both going to lose by seven points. Mm -hmm. 24 hours later, they won both races. So. I think people need to take a, a very deep grain of salt here uh, when you look at these these numbers, because they're they're often profoundly wrong. And I think uh, Trump, in fact, is is very likely to end up with a remarkably large vote that simply wouldn't tell anybody. I mean, the news media pressure for four years has been so hostile that a very high percent of Republicans won't even talk to pollsters. Uh, because they won't tell them who they're going to vote for. The president believes this election could, in essence, be rigged based on some of what we're seeing in mail-in balloting already. What, what is your sense about the lawfulness or unlawfulness of this election, potentially? I, I think it's an enormous threat. I think that the, the Democrats are so hostile to Trump and so hostile to the idea of his winning. And the radical wing of the Democratic Party doesn't believe the law matters anyway. You see that every night in Portland. I mean, why would people who are willing to go out and trash a city and loot a city and burn down buildings, why would you think they're going to obey the election law? Right. So there's a very grave danger. I look at a place like Philadelphia, Baltimore. Uh, these, are, these are places that historically have a very high element of crime and a very high element of, of stealing elections. And I think the president is right to be very worried about the danger that this is going to end up being the most corrupt election in modern America. Newt, I have to ask you about a, a video circulating out there that, that you're, you're sharing, or you're, you've put together actually, and it has to do with COVID-19. In essence, you're making the case that the president, I'll let you speak for yourself, obviously, but the president, you can make the argument that he saved two million lives, and the media says it the exact opposite uh, in terms of the death toll amount as it relates to COVID. Can you explain exactly this, this sure. video, why you decided to do it, and what your point is? Well, it's, 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 it's entitled Saving Two Million Lives. It's both available at Gingrich 360 uh, and it's available at YouTube. Uh, 
Uh, I decided to do it after I talked to Vice President Pence and congratulated him on what I thought was a very effective debate. Uh, and he made the point to me that there's this huge confusion because the Democrats keep yelling that President Trump killed all these people. When right. the truth is that Trump's aggressiveness in cutting off flights from China and cutting off flights from Europe, his aggressiveness in going to the private sector uh, to get ventilators built and other things built, uh, probably saved close to 2 million lives. And so, and what makes it really infuriating is the very people attacking him, uh, the Joe Bidens, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Kamala Harris's, they're the people who attacked him when he was trying to save lives. So we put together the clips from the news media, both of the president and of his critics, and we take you from January up to the present. Uh, and I think it's a pretty effective video. And anybody who has friends who don't understand that Donald Trump saved 2 million lives, they might find this video very, very effective. How complicit is the media in the, not just the, the media coverage, obviously, of COVID-19, but uh, for, in terms of what Americans are taking away from this, not just about this president, but it just seems like the media lives off fear uh, and lives and loves to scare people every single waking moment. Yeah, I mean, you have two different things here. One is the standard, which is every weatherman tells you this next storm could become a hurricane, so you better, better tune in at six uh, because they want the ratings. Uh, that, that's part of the natural pattern of, of a media and a commercial society. But the other thing is, uh, to a degree we have not seen since Abraham Lincoln, uh, the news media hates Trump. They don't dislike him, they hate him. Uh, and it's inconceivable that you could wear a pro-Trump button into the New York Times uh, newsroom and not get fired, or the Washington Post, or NBC News, just go down the list. So their desire to make COVID as bad as possible and to shut down the economy as long as possible, combined with Democratic governors, many of whom are the worst people. And the idea that <clears throat> Cuomo, who has the worst record of having people in his state die, has just published a book on his successful leadership, tells you that they believe if you lie brazenly enough and you lie consistently enough, that the lie becomes the fact. And so I think that's a, a big part of what you're dealing with here. Uh, and I would say that if we had a traditional news media, that Biden would have disappeared as a candidate by now, and Trump would be going towards a massive reelection. I'm curious also, the, the Durham report, uh, we've heard about it was possibly or may possibly come out now after the election. That's got to be a bit disappointing, I would think, for a lot of folks who are waiting for that report to come out before the election. What, what are you hearing and how disappointing would that be if, if that's not going to come out before the election? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much more than everybody else does. My sense is that Durham's very professional. Uh, they do have a tradition, which is, which is right, to not bring things up in the last 30 days yeah. uh, before an election. And I think that's probably right because you, you can't defend yourself. But uh, I, I would be very disappointed if we don't get uh, significant legal action uh, in November and December. Uh, and I think, what, of course, what, what the bad guys are doing is they're desperately holding out, hoping that Biden will win and it will all go away, which was exactly where they were in 2016 
when they really, the reason they behaved so sloppily is they thought Hillary was going to win and she would take care of them. So yeah. they were horrified Trump won. Newt Gingrich, uh, always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, you. I understand you're coming back to the States soon, so I really appreciate sure. your time. Thanks. All right, that's Newt Gingrich from Rome, right next, I don't know if he's next to the pasta, but you know he's having pasta. Back in a moment with the Amy Coney Barrett hearing. We're gonna break it down, back in a moment. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. All right, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, have you heard? Uh, She's been nominated to the Supreme Court, right? I think you know. Uh, Now it's in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing phase, and this vote eventually in the committee is going to probably happen on Thursday. They're going every day, every uh, every hour of every day up until Thursday. We want to talk more about it with Tom Jipping. He's deputy director of the Edwin Meese Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Tom, appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. Well, I don't even know where to begin. All I can tell you is that uh, what do Democrats have here exactly? I mean, it seems to me like they keep talking about health care. And I'm thinking, wait, is this a health care hearing or is this a Supreme Court judicial nominee hearing? What's your take? <laughs> well, well, I used to be chief counsel for Senator Orrin Hatch on the Judiciary Committee, and he also was on the Finance Committee, which was the committee that wrote Obamacare. This did sound like a Finance Committee hearing to me as well. Uh, The the bottom line is that there's no question about Judge Barrett's objective qualifications for this position. She was rated well qualified even by the Liberal American Bar Association. So the only thing that the Democrats can do is to try to scare people about what she might do as a Supreme Court justice. The problem is, number one, in order to tell that kind of story, you really have to mislead people about what judges do. Uh, and second, you have to misconstrue what Judge Barrett herself has described as her approach to her cases. Uh, she takes a, an approach, a traditional approach, which frankly the founders of our country prescribed, uh, that takes personal views and personal biases as much out of the equation as possible. And I think that's what we need in our judges. The le- uh, on the political left, Democrats. Uh, they tend to take a more political view. They want judges to do what they want, and that's what they're trying to get uh, Judge Barrett to say. Tom, I got to tell you, uh, she's a cool cucumber, as my dad would say, like 50 years ago. I think I dated myself. Uh, but she is smooth. I mean, she's, she's good. Uh, and I want to play you a little bit of today's hearing where, oh, apparently she doesn't take notes during the hearing, which is pretty impressive. Have a look. You know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp- that's impressive. <laughs> that was my favorite Boom. moment of the morning. Drop the mic. So I'm out. Yeah. Go that, ahead, Tom. <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite moment of the morning. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, I... I, I handled five Supreme Court nominations for Senator Hatch, so 
you know, that room is very familiar to me. And I actually have the same question myself because sometimes she tends to move her eyes down when she's answering a question. And that kind of gives you the impression that she's looking at some notes or something, but there's nothing there. It's all literally in her head. And it's a, it's a pretty impressive sight. I tell you what, it was like she was ACB and she just like, boom, I'm dropping a mic. I'm out. <laughs> Senate Judiciary members. That's right. Uh, so so what, do, what do we go? Where do we go from here? Basically, we know she's going to get uh, the confirmed or at least nominated and the vote's going to be a yes out of the Senate Judiciary Committee. What do you expect in these next couple of weeks? I mean, do you see any Brett Kavanaugh tricks here? I mean, it just seems like this is pretty much a slam dunk. No, I, there won't be anything like that. And I think, uh, frankly, the whole pandemic and the conditions under which this is being yeah. done have, have maybe tamped down the ability of opponents to manufacture fake crises and so on. Uh, the, the hearing will last through Thursday. She'll be up uh, again tomorrow and then witnesses for and against on Thursday. The committee will then vote uh, and then the full Senate will take it up. Now, there's a couple of things that Democrats, one in committee and, and on the floor, can do to try to, to, to make the process last a little longer. But there's no way that they can actually block confirmation. That would have happened with a filibuster. Uh, but Democrats in 2013 and Republicans in 2017 right. took nomination filibusters off the table. So uh, there's no way for them to block confirmation in the long run. Tom, that's, I'm glad you brought up 2013 because I want to remind all the viewers that Harry Reid was told in 2013, I covered it, I was on the Hill at the time, they said to him, they, Republicans and conservatives, said, don't you dare do it. Don't you go ahead and change the filibuster rules on federal appeals court nominees because it's going to come back to haunt you. And that's exactly well, what we saw when McConnell yeah, changed was, it. And now we're seeing it, too. I was working for Senator Hatch at the time, and I wrote floor speeches for him that said exactly that. He'd been mm -hmm. in the Senate for a long time with the leadership going back and forth and said, you know, you may want what you want now, but changing the institution is not the way to get it. Uh, it's kind of like Democrats threatening court packing today. They want a couple of decisions out of the court, but they're apparently willing to change the entire institution to get it. That's not a good way to run a country like ours. So you mentioned court packing. What do you think? I mean, it, Republicans are going to, as Democrats would say, rush this through. Uh, do you think the retaliation comes in January if it's a President Biden and a Democratic Senate? Are you concerned, Tom? Well, for, first of all, um, th this is being done in a timetable that's consistent with many past Supreme Court nominations. There's, it's only rushing if you don't want her on the Supreme Court. And frankly, uh, the, the far left, which controls the Democratic Party today, has been talking about court packing for the last few years. So I think they would try to do it whenever they got control of both Congress and the White House, whether there was a, uh, a Supreme Court nomination in the mix or not. Um, they are out for power. They'll do anything to get the decisions they want out of the Supreme Court, and they're willing to destroy the independent judiciary to do it. Let me ask you, Tom, I've got about a minute left or so. So, so let me ask you this about health care. Um, Amy Coney Barrett today talked about severability, you know, the, you know, this idea about the Affordable Care Act that she will have to eventually rule on what about, a, well, at least the case will be heard about a week after uh, the election about uh, the Affordable Care Act, 
excuse me, the Affordable Care Act and whether or not severability uh, is, is a feasible issue. Uh, she said she's never ruled on something like this before, so she can't say either way how it's going to go. What is your take on what Democrats are trying to do here on that issue? But Democrats have decided that that's the one issue they're going to spend most of their time talking about. The problem is they're lying about it. The case that's before the Supreme Court, uh, it mm -hmm. isn't a challenge about pre-existing conditions or anything like that. The question before the Supreme Court is very specific, and that is, if the mandate to have insurance is now unconstitutional because Congress essentially neutered it, can that provision be severed or cut out of right. Obamacare as a whole. If it can't, Obamacare goes. I, I predict that uh, the Supreme Court will yeah. sever it. The rest of Obamacare will stay. And Democrats are lying to say that it's about anything more than that. Right, Tom. Right. Tom Jipping, uh, great insight. Really appreciate your time. We'll have you back for sure. All right, uh, coming up, uh, Guy Smith, just a regular guy. Actually, he's not really a regular guy. He's a Biden surrogate. Talk to him in a moment. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. Okay, look, if you're in the Joe Biden camp, you got to be pretty happy, right? I mean, it's been going along pretty well. You've been at, I think some of these Las Vegas odds makers have it at 65% Biden's going to win. Then it was 71%. The last one I saw, it's like he's got a 91% chance of winning the election, which, by the way, the way Trump operates, that probably means Trump's going to win. I don't know. I, who knows what's going to happen? It's so helter-skelter. Let's bring in Guy Smith, a Biden surrogate, a Joe Biden surrogate, and, and a friend of the show. I hope you're a friend of the show, Guy. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. Definitely a friend of the show. All right. That's good. That's on record. We've got it on tape. We've got it on tape. All right. Uh, Guy, uh, talk to me about some of these polls. Are, so are you now convinced that Biden's going to win, or are you, I mean, Guy, be totally straight with me. I know you will. Does anything keep you up at night at all at this point? I think everything keeps me up at night. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, where we are is a pretty good place. If you look at all the, both the national polls and the state polls, especially in important battleground states, but um, Joe Biden's not taking anything for granted. Uh, we're very happy with our fundraising. We're very happy with the messaging that we're, we've been able to do. And what we're most happy with is that that message is resonating with the American voters who are voting right now. Uh, nearly 10 million people have already voted. And um, we're feeling pretty good about that. Uh, what we don't feel good about is the ineptitude of the management of the coronavirus. And you know, David, in most presidential years, the, um, the economy is the, the thing in presidential elections. Going back to the Clinton era, you know, the economy is stupid kind of thing. Well, right. this, year it's di this year it's different. And the reason it's different is because the coronavirus is like the weather. It touches everybody and not in a positive way. And people, you can, all the polls show people don't trust what Donald Trump has been doing to manage it. He 
lied to the American people. And I know you've probably played the Woodward tape on your show where he said he knew it was a deadly, uh, the deadly virus and then went right on national television and told everybody, well, it's going to go away. It's not a big deal. And he's still doing stuff like that. He's still mocking masks. And yet he contracted the virus. He had a spreader event at the White House. He's running around the country now still doing spreader events. Why? And now he's picked a fight with uh, Dr. Fauci, America's grandfather, who people deeply trust about the coronavirus. And so those are the kind of things that that do make us feel like we're we're touching a right chord with the American people at this moment, you know, fewer now than three weeks before the election. Well, Guy, you're onto something because poll after poll shows healthcare is the number one issue actually above the economy. So you're absolutely right. You're, you're dead on on that. Uh, and and at the Democrats at the hearing, that's all they want to talk about. It's like a health care hearing. It's not a Supreme Court nomination hearing. They're talking about health care. Uh, I, I, but what did you make so far of this hearing? Because, look, she's going to get confirmed, Guy. I mean, just between you, me and all of the people that are watching right now. Well, the Republicans are jamming it through. They have the votes. And people say, well, you know, it's a constitution that says that they can, and it does, and they can, and they're gonna, it looks like. The constitution also says that we can declare war on Mexico, but we shouldn't. And we should wait. I mean, Donald Trump, you know, he claims he admires Abraham Lincoln. You know, my name is Guy L. Smith. The L stands for Lincoln. I know something about Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln had the same choice and he didn't take it. He said he will wait until the after the election and the next president will make this decision. But make no mistake, David, this is a health care issue. It's about health care. And everybody watching this show right now either has a pre-existing condition, has a mother or father or grandmother with a pre-existing condition, a kid with it, or knows somebody with one, and what's going to happen? They want to take it away. That's what Donald Trump says. They want to take it away. It's in the Republican platform. Right. But, Guy, just so you know, just recently, now I know that executive order that he signed on pre-existing conditions, I know the criticism is that it doesn't have teeth. I get that. But he's also said, he's also said that he he will veto. Yeah, yeah, but but he also said that he would veto any bill that did not include protections for pre-existing conditions. I mean, he, he came out and said that, so. Well, I mean, so that we add that to the other 20,000 lives that he's made that the Washington well, Post keeps track of. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah, well, all right. Besides, yeah, look, the court, court's not a law. You can't veto what the court does. It's a court decision. Mm-hmm. And he has said since he before he took office, I'm going to have a health care plan in two weeks to replace Obamacare. He's been saying that for four years. There's no plan. He doesn't have a plan. All he wants to do is get rid. And this is the thing, David. Donald Trump keeps doing things that hurt the very people that support him. The people that wear those red hats, they have pre-existing conditions. They have parents that have pre-existing conditions. And he's doing stuff that hurts them. They still love him. Somehow, some way, they still love him. 
Well, God bless them, but they're not enough of them, and they're going to lose. <laughs> hey, Guy, listen, we have less than a minute. I want to show this poll. We showed it earlier. This is just the news poll put, by, put up by Scott uh, Rasmussen. It says, if the election for president were held today, for whom would you vote? And, of course, uh, there's Biden at 51-43 over Donald Trump. By the way, the libertarian, uh, Joe Jorgensen, at 2%. Obviously, uh, he's up from 1%. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I somewhat have to kind of interview Joe Jorgensen. Anyhow, um, Likely voters, registered voters, these polls, you just wonder if some of the polling methodology could be off because if Trump does better on election night, I'm telling you, they're oversampling Democrats. I'm geeking out with these polls. I'm looking at what they're doing. There's a there's well, a danger factor there, guy. Got 30 seconds or less. Well, that's a Rasmussen poll. They always give Trump an extra five points. So I don't know that about that. Out. But, well, just look at the record. It does. But the, the point on, on all these polls is they're a snapshot in time. The other thing is that people are voting very heavily in advance in the early voting, the absentee voting. And, yeah. and all of the Gotta indicators run. are that Rasmussen, I mean, he, he, yeah. he actually knows Biden ahead. Not, Guy, but he's actually more. Ahead. I'm going to have you back on. I'm up against a hard break. Don't worry. I'm not that rude. We'll talk to you next time. Back in a moment. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. All right. Uh, look, time now to talk about what we've been talking about all show. Amy Coney Barrett, she said on her first day in that opening statement, she said, I believe in the power of prayer. And our next guest, you can be sure, believes in the power of prayer. Bishop E.W. Jackson joining me now. Bishop Jackson, great to see you again. Thank you for having me, David. Great to be on with you. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, what do you what do you make of what's what you're seeing with this Amy Coney Barrett hearing? And, and specifically, uh, we're waiting to hear if there's going to be any attacks on our faith. But the Democrats have done this before. I wonder if they're going to go there this time. I don't think they will. Well, look, they've already demonstrated, in my view, that they have a hostility to people of faith. Uh, I graduated from Harvard Law School, and I've often had people say to me, how in the world can you be a graduate of Harvard Law School and be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, guess what? We can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we Americans can be people of intellect and decency and professionalism, and at the same time be people of faith. That's, that's not a contradiction. So I think they decided that they better not go there because they've gotten burned doing it in the past. And so now they're focusing on affordable health care and uh, the fact that they think she's going to somehow destroy that, do away with that, overturn that. She keeps making clear the judge, the role of a judge is to decide cases and controversies, not public policy. But Democrats are the ones who want a judge to decide public policy. And I think she's just been brilliant in her answers. 
Yeah, I've noticed that too. And she seems like such a cool cucumber, such a, so professional out there and not even taking notes. <laughs> She's not even taking notes during the hearing, which is interesting. Bishop Jackson, let me ask you, you and I have been at some events around the country. Uh, you talk about, you know, Joe Biden always talks about the soul of our nation, wanting to restore the soul of a nation. But, but you've been talking about this for a very long time, but from a biblical perspective, give, give people a sense of, of what you're saying out there and how the whole Amy Coney Barrett and the, and the, uh, the direction of our country is at stake right now. Well, I've said this to Christians all over the country, David. If you really believe that a nation like America, the greatest nation that's ever existed in human history, the most successful governing document in the history of mankind, our, our, kind, our Constitution, could happen by accident, that one day God looked up and said, oh my, look at what they've done down there. They've created this interesting country. America's a providential nation. I believe America's ordained by Almighty God. And you can't make America work without faith. It doesn't work without faith because the whole notion of our country is that our rights and freedoms don't come from the beneficence of government, but from the providence of Almighty God. And when you take that premise away, you change the fundamental nature of this country. And frankly, I think sadly, there are people on the left who want to take that away. And those of us who love this country and, and love God and, and believe that this nation, it, it, flawed though it be, yes, because we're not perfect people, uh, but we're still the greatest place on earth that anybody's ever known to live and, and work and raise a family and fulfill your God-given potential. And we can't let that be taken away. And I think, frankly, sadly, the Democrats have become a party that looks more really like some sort of Marxist enterprise than they do uh, a, a, a political party of a constitutional republic. That's a sad statement to make, but I think that's just where we are right now. Well, and Bishop Jackson, you've talked about this, and we know you can't live in this spirit of fear. I mean, you know, an un for sure, an unhealthy fear, uh, a worldly fear. Uh, what is the concern in this election specifically? Uh, are there are a lot of people concerned that what, what's going to happen after this election? What if Trump wins? What if Biden wins? I mean, you know, we've already seen what's happened in Portland and Seattle and, and many other cities across this country. How concerned are you about uh, a breaking point that America could be in very, very soon? Very. I'm very concerned. Uh, let me just say for the record, too, look, I am a staunch, died-in-the-wool conservative Christian. I'm not interested in hurting anybody. I'm not interested right. in fighting people in the streets. And I don't think anybody on our side wants that. But here again, I think the left, well, of course, Antifa, if you read the Antifa handbook, uh, you find that they believe that violence is important, that it is an intentional strategy to use violence. And so yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about that. I think all of us, particularly those of us who believe in our constitution, our country and our way of life, have just got to be cool, maintain our heads, not respond to some of the provocations that I think are likely to happen, particularly if President Trump wins, uh, and, and just not overreact to it and give it a chance to run its course. But I think there is going to be an attempt to try to destabilize the country with violence, particularly if President Trump wins this election. Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, just straight up, I, I think the other side, if you will, uh, the ones that are against Trump could literally go berserk. I mean, because because the, the media has played this thing and the polls continue to show that, oh, Biden's going to win. Biden's going to win. And if all of a sudden he doesn't win, I can't even imagine the chaos that's going to cause. 
Well, look, we're often accused, I know Christians, because of our views about family and about life, are accused of being haters. But it's obvious who the real haters are. I have never seen such vitriol against a president like what I'm seeing against President Trump. And I think they really hate him because he represents people like me and others across the country who believe in traditional values. I mean, I disagree with Barack Obama and I vehemently disagree with his policies. I never hated the man. I never wanted him to be hurt. I never wanted anything bad to happen to him. I just wanted to defeat him in the marketplace of ideas and defeat him in the in the polling booth, yeah. in, the, in the in the voting booth. But but these these are we're we're dealing with a different kind of politics on the left today. And I think they really want to hurt President Trump and anybody associated with him. Bishop Jackson, I got about a minute left, maybe a little less. Uh, the African-American vote in 2020, the, the President Trump believes he can do much better. Of course he believes, he thinks he can do everything, right? But he believes he can do much better with the African-American vote. What is your sense uh, on the ground in, within African-American communities about what's out there, the potential for that? People are waking up. Abraham Lincoln said you can fool some of the people all the time, all the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And, you know, for, for six decades, uh, black people have been promised th this utopia, and all they've gotten is more welfare, more violence, more gangs, more drugs, terrible educational system. And at some point, as President Trump said, it, what have you got to lose to try something different? This president has done more for the black community than any president in modern history. And I don't think that's disputable. Uh, the the, the mm -hmm. um, criminal justice system yeah. reform and so forth. So, so I think we're going to see a breakthrough in the black vote this coming November. Bishop E.W. Jackson, always great to talk with you and boy, love your speeches. You gotta hear Bishop E.W. Jackson preach from the pulpit and otherwise. He's phenomenal, thanks Bishop. All right, when we come back, uh, a last sip about evangelicals and Trump. All right, time for today's last sip. And honestly, uh, uh, let me be honest, the last sip is normally analysis, okay? But this time it's actually exclusive news and analysis because off the top of this uh, segment, if you will, we've got some exclusive news. Uh, I am reporting this morning, uh, and we're breaking here on the show today, uh, that the Trump campaign is out with a six-figure ad buy in key battleground states around the country. It's actually going to be on Christian radio. These are four radio spots on Christian radio, on conservative radio. So, for example, you're going to hear these on Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity, uh, Hugh Hewitt, Dennis Prager. I can go on and on. Uh, and it, it's interesting to see exactly how they're trying to position this ad buy. Uh, we have one of those ads that I want to play for you. Have a look. Joe Biden and the radical left want to continue the Obama-Biden policies that forced immoral values in our homes and schools and support abortion up until the moment of birth. They've attacked President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, for her faith. And Biden wants to rig the Supreme Court, taking away our constitutional rights. Donald Trump speaks for us, boldly leading the way. He's never let us down and never will. That's so beautiful. It's so soothing. It's like I'm taking a Calgon bath as I'm watching that. Uh, look, 
Bottom line is this, uh, evangelicals, that's red meat right there, what you heard. I mean, that's going to get them to the polls for sure. Now, the Trump campaign is telling me that Trump's record will get them to the polls because he's been, as they would say, or as he would say, the best evangelical candidate president ever in the history of candidates and presidents and all of that, uh, which is honestly is true. I mean, he's the, no doubt he's the biggest and best pro-life president evangelicals have ever had. The question becomes, will it translate in the polls? Because look, in 2016, he won 81% of the white evangelical vote. So in other words, the white evangelicals that showed up in 2016, he won 81% of them. That's because Hillary Clinton didn't play in that sandbox. This time around is different. Joe Biden is actually trying to make an appeal to some white Catholics, even some evangelicals who aren't big fans of Donald Trump and just kind of did this in 2016. That's who he's trying to go for. If he peels away a percentage or two from Donald Trump when it comes to evangelicals, it's over. Donald Trump is a one-term president. There's nothing Donald Trump can do if Joe Biden uh, helps himself a little bit with evangelicals. I think that's really important to understand. The other thing important to understand is that Donald Trump will need to be north of 81%. In 2016, he had 81%. He's going to have to be north of that in 2020 to win. Something to think about here on The Last Sip. Back in a moment. And welcome back to the show, everybody. All right, uh, justthenews.com. When you think of justthenews.com, well, you think of a lot of things. But can we cue the two shot? I don't know. Uh, there, oh, Sophie Mann from JustTheNews.com. Good to see you, Sophie. Good to see you, David. All right, look, so we're dealing with, like, what, a kidnap plot a week here? What's going on? Gretchen Whitmer and now another governor? Precisely. So last week we found out the FBI released um, charges uh, against six individuals who had been involved this summer in a plan to kidnap the uh, Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer, right. primarily because they were dissatisfied with her COVID lockdown rules and uh, legislation. Um, the FBI continues to drip out pieces of information to the public. So this week, the, the plot continues. And um, we've learned that these six individuals who are now being arraigned in court also had a plan to possibly kidnap uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. So they're moving across the map yeah. from governor to governor. But who sticking are with Democrats. Sticking with Democrats. Primarily, I think, um, the motivation, as we understand it, of the mm -hmm. kidnapper, potential kidnappers, mm -hmm. thankfully not actual kidnappers, um, was to object to governors whose lockdown rules they felt were too harsh, whose lockdown rules they felt were restricting mm -hmm. businesses and livelihoods and potentially, you know, as the president says, though I don't want to involve him in this, um, mm -hmm. reacting in a way that was worse than the disease. So mm -hmm. they were they were growing tired of that. And, um, you know, as the case continues, I'm sure the FBI will continue to give us little pieces of information, though right now a lot of it is still fairly secret. That's fascinating. We've got about a minute left or so, a little yeah. less. Uh, talk to me about Virginia and mail-in balloting. What's going on now? They're having more problems with uh, They are having more problems. So Virginia, interestingly, is suffering from a similar issue as they did on the eve of the election in 2016, which is to say the day that the that voter registration closes, a lot of mm -hmm. people are registering online in that last sort of several, like 24-hour period mm -hmm. to 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 make sure that your vote will count. Um, their system went down, technical outage, technical failure. Um, and you know now various uh, ex executive officials are saying we want to extend the voter registration, registration timeline. As you know, we're running up real close against the election at yeah. this point. Um, there was a similar issue last week in Florida where the registration website was not working. So now the question is if there's 
an overarching situation happening here? Why is this going on? Or is this sort of just the repeated technical failure of systems that really need to be updated? Well, I can guarantee you Donald Trump is keeping a list. Yeah. It's with his lawyers, by the way. You would think. For sure. Sophie, thanks. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. Sophie will be back on the program tomorrow. Uh, also on the program, Senator Joe Lieberman. Remember him? He was almost vice president. A hanging, he was a hanging chat away. He literally was that close. And now he's on the water floor. So we're excited about that. Also, Penny Nance from Concerned Women for America. Have a great day.